Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to have a conversation with you or help you, many of you understand one of the most imminent mark of effective service to God. One of the most distinctive symbols of a man or woman with purpose. And it is called a mantle. You see, this is not something I know many of you know or understand how it works, but I'm certain that many of you who have been in the faith for a long time have read portions of scriptures speaking about mantles, men with mantles, men wearing mantles, men casting down mantles, men inheriting mantles. But many of us do not understand fully what the mantle means. And whether you want it or not, whether it's a prophet or apostle or pastor or whoever God has ordained in the folds, it is to the edification of the body of Christ through the perfection of what? Of a man in the work of ministry. You are perfected for the work of ministry, so that the body of Christ is what? Edified. And if you understand this, that I'm going to share tonight, you will stop living an ordinary life in your service toward God. I know that you, like I said, might not be in the choir, might not be in the security, but wherever God has placed you, some of you even in your workplaces, wherever you are in your business world, you do not know that you are actually serving God there. Somebody shout amen. And so, to understand mantles, I need to firstly help you, give you the definitions. When you read the word mantle in scripture, sometimes interchanged with robe, in some instances interchanged with garment, and sometimes also the variations of definitions in garments, the variations of definitions in robes. So it is there are variations of definitions in mantles. And there are three definitions that I have so far found. If there are any, I'm open to learning, but there are about three of them that I know and have met in scripture. But I have to first define them for you so you know exactly what I'm going to talk about today. Somebody shout amen. The first one is in Judges chapter 4, verses 18, the Bible says, And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my Lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her in the tent, she covered him with a mantle. The Hebrew word there for mantle is semi-cow. And that simply means a rug a coverlet, a thick coverlet. She covered him with a rug. But in this instance, it is called what? 
mantle. But that is not what I came to talk about today. But it's important for you to also know that in some instances, when you read in the Bible and you find mantle, it might as well mean a rug or a coverlet. The second definition of robe can be found in Job, the first chapter, the 20th verse. The Bible says, And then Job arose and rent his mantle and shed his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. You remember the time when he had heard that his animals had died, his children had died, it lost everything. The Bible says, He rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped. And the word there used is me'il. It's also translated as the mantle. And me'il simply means a coat, a robe, a garment worn over a tunic by men of rank. So, when we are talking about the rankings in the spirit, we can also talk about me'il, me'il, me'il. You see, it is not just a coat. Sometimes it's a robe, it's a garment worn over a tunic. But in some instances, it represents ranking. Okay? That's why the realm of ranks exists. If you have read in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, the 27th verse, the Bible speaks to us about Samuel having the same. The Bible says Samuel turned about to go away and he, who was that, so laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and rent it. You see? Now, let me show you the difference between Samuel's mantle and the one that we spoke of with Jael. Now, the first one, semi-cow, that we spoke about is simply a rug. It's covered. But this one, in the second one, like I said, is worn and it has a rank to it in some instances. But in other instances, it's simply a coat. However, if you look at Job's mantle and Samuel's mantle, they are different in some way. That for Job, the mantle was simply a coat. But for Samuel, it was a representation of a certain rank as a priest. Are we following what we're saying? There was something more to that. There was something more to that. Now, we go to the third, where I want to place my emphasis and instruction tonight, and it is the word called adereth. In Jonah, the third chapter, the sixth verse, the Bible says, For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe, or mantle, from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So when God sends judgment to Nineveh, the king of Nineveh arose from his throne and laid down his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The mystery of this is the word here used for robe or mantle is different from what we see in what we have defined in the first two definitions. And what is a dareth. A dareth means glory. A dareth means splendor. A dareth means magnificence. A dareth means greatness. A dareth means excellence. A dareth means power or might. Are you following me? Now, Samuel has a mantle of which Saul holds on to 
but it is not quite the mantle that the king of Nineveh had. The king of Nineveh, in this definition, is not just what he wore, but it came with a spiritual implication. It came with a spiritual interpretation deeper than what a man would wear because he's ranked. It was more than just a king. When the Bible says that he rent his mantle and put it down, it means that he submitted his magnificence. He submitted his power. He submitted his might. He submitted his glory. And the Bible says he put on sackcloth and sat in the ashes. Am I making sense? Three different or four different ideas. They all have robo mantle, but they're of different what? Interpretation. And the third one is the one I want to emphasize on tonight. That God has called us to walk with some sort of mantle, a dareth. Like I said, this is the distinctive symbol of a man or woman who is walking with purpose. And with that mantle, like I gave an example, comes the uniqueness or distinction, the eminence on your life that will mark you, separate you, consecrate you for the service of God. It will make you very effective in the things of God. Why? Because like I said, it comes with glory. It comes with power. It comes with splendor. It comes with eminence. It comes with might. Are you following what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you is that much as we're all believers of Jesus Christ and we're followers of this wonderful truth of the gospel, not all of us function in the same realm of glory. Not all of us function in the same realm of power. Not all of us function in the same realm of might. Not all of us function in the same realm of influence. Not all of us function in the same realm of excellence. Not all of us function in the same realm of power. And the thing that is given by God to mark you higher than the man you're seated next to is the mantle that is upon your life. It's more than being a good teacher of the word. Many people can be good teachers, but not all are mantled. It's not enough to be a good singer. And I emphasize the word singing because it's different from worship. Because when it comes to the realm of worship, it's a mantle. It is so tangible, not only as a presence, but as an element in the spirit that God tells you in 1 Kings 19, 19, that a man called Elijah, I know some of you have read about him. The Bible says he found the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and with him with the 12th. The Bible says Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. That is the thing that separates Elisha from the rest of the prophets that were in Israel. Remember, if I can take us back, for those of you who are not acquainted fully with this story, Elijah was the chariot and horseman of Israel. That was his mantle. He was not just a prophet in Israel. 
There were many prophets in Israel. But the distinctive mark on Elijah was that he was the chariot and the horseman of Israel. How do we know? The day he is taken, Elisha cries. He says, my father, my father, the chariot and the horseman thereof of Israel. That means Elijah was not just a prophet. He was not just a prophet. He had a mantle and a dereth. And that a dereth was the horseman and chariot of Israel. That was a distinctive mark in the realm of the prophetic. Are you following what I'm saying? So, if you study the life of Elijah very keenly, at one point, after killing the Baal prophets, Jezebel swears to kill him and he runs away and he's found in a cave. God asks him, what are you doing here? Oh, they've killed all your prophets and I alone am left. And God tells Elijah, tells him, Elijah, there are 7,000 prophets, 7,000, which have not bowed their heads to Baal, never kissed him. 7,000 prophets. And I've warned Christians not to associate with the hidden ones because there's a danger in Jezebel looking for one man when there are 7,000 that she cannot turn to. Yet they have not bowed to her. That defines where the man is functionally. I've been in conferences where people are saying, oh, God has his 7,000. He has his 7,000. And they always boast about that. Oh, God has his 7,000. And I want to find out from them and ask them, what do you mean by God has his 7,000? What are those 7,000 doing in the kingdom? Where were those 7,000 when Jezebel was chasing after Elijah? Where were those 7,000 when the Baal prophets were being raised? Where were those 7,000? Are you following what I'm saying? Where were those 7,000? Where were they? And they were uniquely anointed. Uniquely anointed. That is why if you remember the time when God is about to take away Elijah, the scriptures tell us, these prophets spoke to Elisha and they say, do you know that the Lord is taking away your master? That means they could see in the spirit. Do you know the Lord is taking away your master? He says, yeah, I know. I know. Hold your peace. But you see again in the realm of the prophetic, much as they have the vision that God is taking away Elijah, they still yet do not know who Elijah is to Israel. They don't know. That's the mark I'm talking about. That if there were 7,000 prophets and Elijah was the 7,001 prophet, he was distinctive because he carried the mantle of the horseman and chariot. Simpler terms, he was the army of Israel. When you had Elijah, you didn't need an army. Now that's a mantle. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you see what's in Jezebel pursuing him? It is not pursuing a prophet. It is pursuing a mantle. Who understands what I'm saying? It is not pursuing a prophet. It is pursuing a mantle. 7,000 of them. And God opens his eyes. By the time he leaves that cave, he has been elevated also 
in his vision enough to see the 7,000 that were hid from his vision, but perhaps also hid from Jezebel and hell. But they were prophets because they were non-functional. Tell your neighbor, refuse to be hid. Refuse to be hid. Yes. The Bible asks, who lights a candle and puts it under a bushel? Why would God light you up to cover you? From what? From attacks? Oh no. You get it wrong. You get it wrong. If you think yourself because you've not yet been attacked, then you've not yet understood the way of God. Hello? Do you understand what I'm saying? The only reason why you are under certain sort of attack is because something has brought you to the notice of certain demons out there. Of certain gargoyles out there. Of certain evil spirits. Certain works of the devil. The devil now can identify you and say, Dash we know. Paul we know. Jesus we know. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible speaks of the glory of Christ that brings you to the notice of those that pursue you. Huh? Somewhere it's in the message version. See, some of you say, oh no, why am I the one with this sickness? Oh, why am I going through this? Oh, let's read it. If you are abused because of Christ, 1 Peter 4.14, count yourselves what? Fortunate. I uh-huh, read. For it's the Spirit of God and His word, glory in you, that brought you to the notice of others. Some of you, if you had stayed the way you were, the world would not have had a problem with you. But you chose to walk out of the boat. Somebody said hallelujah. I said you chose to walk out of the boat. You must have counted your cost early. That it comes with a job. They are called occupational hazards. <laughs> Laugh at the devil three times. Are you following what I'm saying? So tell your neighbor refuse to be hidden. Refuse. 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 I refuse to be hidden in the business world. I refuse to be hidden in the secular world. I refuse to be hidden in my academics. Oh, glory to God. I refuse to be hidden in the church. I must stand out. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. I'm still talking about Elijah. So, he is visible for the attack. And there's 7,000 men who are hidden and they think that they're safe. Yes, they are safe from persecution. But they're indifferent to purpose. Because more than ever before, Israel needed a prophet. And there was only one who could stand up. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, you see, they can tell Elisha that God is taking your master because they do not know who God is taking. They think, ah, God is just taking Elisha's master. That's what they think. They think he's just taking Elisha's master. What was to happen to Israel when Elijah had gone? What was the safety of Israel when Elijah was gone? If he carried the mantle of its protection. You follow what I'm saying? And the irony of God giving a nation armies and weapons and their protection is not in those things. 
neither the trained commanders. But it is in some woman somewhere who prays in the morning. She's under no camera, no light. But there's something on her life. God is amazing. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I'm still explaining something here. Follow me. So we see that when Elisha is serving, Elijah, after the mantle is cast on him, he's given him the instruction. His eyes have opened to the 7,000. And then he finds Elisha. And the first prophet he meets, he casts a mantle. Positioning. Why was Elisha there? It's later revealed in the heart of that man. Not the choice he made to stand where. It, it was no coincidence. Elisha was chosen by God already. But the Spirit of God studies had to be positioned where the prophet needed to find him and cast that mantle. You cannot understand it because no account is given of him before that moment. But as you study his life and how he dealt with Elijah, you can tell how God positioned him for that responsibility. But that's for another day. Back to the story. Cast a mantle. Elisha continues to serve him all his days. He's serving, he's serving, he's serving, he's serving. Do you know the Lord is taking your master? Yeah, I know. Until this man smites his mantle and then the waters are parting. We've only seen that through Moses. They cross as of dry ground. And then a wild wind comes and chariots of fire come and carry this man away. And then Elisha receives a double portion. And the moment he receives a double portion, the Bible says he tears his mantle, Adarius, and then he gets on the mantle of Elijah. And then he walks to the very bank of Jordan. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And then he parts the water. I don't think that the sons of the prophets that were watching this from afar had understood Elijah until they saw him parting water. I don't think they knew him very well. But not only that, the scriptures tell us that Elijah even had tendencies of appearing in one place and disappearing in another, carried by the Spirit. This man used to run faster than horses. You remember when he tells Ahab, get your horses on and run because the rain is coming. And the Bible says, and then he ran, praise God, and overtook the chariots of Ahab. That was the man we're talking about. So this guy is telling, no, I cannot leave you. I may just be there and the spirit just carries you away without my knowledge. This thing can take you anywhere. This was a man who could be carried. And these were functions to aid the mantle. Because you could not keep the boundaries of a nation without a certain ability, an extended work, or hand of God on your life. All of these things came with the mantle. They followed the mantle. Are you following what I'm saying? And then Elisha comes in. And the moment that experience took place, the sons of the prophets now have a clear vision. Why? Because the same guys were, you know, arrogantly saying, hey, Shapara, they go, do you know me? Do I know you? The Lord is saying, your master. The same guys received the right vision when Elijah was gone. And immediately when Elisha packs the waters, the Bible says, they bow 
themselves to the ground before him and they said, surely the spirit of Elijah doth rest upon him. Unfortunately, they didn't follow. They didn't follow. There's a conversation there. Anyway, back to what we're saying. Now, this very mantle that comes with a certain glory, comes with a certain power, comes with a certain might, you start to see through scripture and you see men with these distinctive marks. And it only takes the eye of the spirit to understand that these were actually mantles. I'll give you an example. Did we not talk about greatness? We talked about greatness. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, the Lord said to Abraham when he appeared to him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. Listen, verse 2, and I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Greatness has been defined twice here. That, right there, he's telling him, get out of your father's house. I want to put a mantle on you. And this mantle spells what? Greatness. Did we not talk about excellence as part of the definition of a dares? Daniel chapter 6 verses 3. The Bible says, and then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him above the whole realm. Why? Because there was a mantle of excellence on his life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Did we not talk about power? Look at Paul in the second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 10. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. God put a mantle on the man's letters. That's why it's what stayed. You understand what I'm saying? It was preserved in what you and I read as the what? The Bible. Because the mantle was on the man's letters, not his speech. <laughs> and he recognizes that he was not a man of great speech. When Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 3 chapter 14, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, to be mantled, to be mantled with might by his spirit in the inner man. To have a certain distinctive covering. And let me tell you two secrets about mantles before I go deeper. Number one, your mantle will always be bigger than you. That's how you know that God has put something on you. I say that your mantle will always be bigger than you. It will always be bigger than your intellect can apply. It will always be bigger than your education. It will always be bigger than your wealth. It will always be bigger than your family. It will always be bigger than your networks. It will always be bigger than your academics. It will always be bigger. It will always be bigger. It will always be bigger than you. Meaning, second mystery, we grow in two mantles. The moment God mantles you, the moment he puts it on you. It is not meant to fit you. You are meant to grow into it. And there's a process right there. Somebody shout hallelujah. You are meant to grow into it every other day until the day it fits you. And the day it fits you is the power to become 
the power to be. The power to be. So we grow into it to fit. With that fitting then comes the fullness of understanding of divine purpose. Why you are created in this world. Why you are alive. For what reason you have survived every disease in this world or whatever is in your body has not killed you yet. Why you are here. God starts to reveal the glory on your life to help you function. He starts to give you the influence that you need to function. He starts to give you the favor that you need to function. Why? Because there is something on you. You need it because when you sit in a car and that car is meant to be in an accident. And let me tell you people, there are many people who die not because they were the devil's target but because they happened to be in the same surrounding with the man the devil targeted. Simple example. Why were children killed in the days of Moses? Who was the devil looking for? Moses. But how many people were killed because the devil was looking for one boy? Are you following what I'm saying? How many people were killed in the days of Jesus? But who was the devil looking for? Do you know that there are people who don't know how to undergird themselves and they could die with those the devil is looking for? I read a story some time ago. There's a man who has survived two Malaysian airline crashings. Go and Google him. Why is it that Malaysia Airlines has had those two crashes and it was the same common denominator? He survived this one. And another one came through and again it crashed and he survived it. Who was the devil looking for? Do you understand what I'm saying? We have heard of people who are doing sorcery and witchcraft. Somebody's looking for one person in a car and they crash a whole bus, but they're looking for one life. Like one life can take many, so it is that one life can save many. Somebody shout hallelujah. Do you know that that's the thing that when you sit in that taxi and they were targeting somebody, this is the thing God can look at and say, uh-uh. There is something on this woman's life that cannot allow her to die with a heathen. There is something on this man's life that cannot allow him before he fulfills the purposes of God. If I have to save a million just to save this one, oh, the Bible says, I will give nations for your sake. If God has to give a nation for your sake, he will. Why? Because of the mountain. Because of the mantle. Because of the glory on your life. There are things that are supposed to shut. But because you're in them, they will not shut. There are projects that were supposed to be stopped. But because you're in those projects, they will... There are companies that are supposed to be shut. But because you're in those companies, I decree and I declare that they will not be shut. There are things that will not happen when we are here in Uganda. Oh, let me say it again. There are things that are not going to happen because you are in Uganda. And you must believe it. Why? Because you are mantled. You're mantled. Understand how this works. You're not alone. No, no, no. Let them shoot. You will not die of... Uh, 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 uh. 
God will or should keep you far from terror. He said, they are abiding under the shadow of his wings. They are mantled somewhere. They are covered with something on their lives. They are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. And that mantle alone, the Bible says, surely we shall say, the Lord is their helper. He's their banner. He's their refuge. He's their fortress. In him they will trust. The Bible says a thousand will fall at one side and 10,000 on the other. But none of those things shall by any means come near you. Why? Because there's something covering you. You know, some of you quickly forget that COVID didn't kill you. It didn't kill you. Because God would not let it. There's something on your life. You don't even have a clue yet. Some of you have diseases that have killed others, but they're still, oh, 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 oh. Why? God. God. Has put something over you. He says you'll be far, far away. Only a spectator. He has just called you to be a spectator. Yourself inaccessible. He says, in the secret place of the Most High. And you will see the reward of the wicked. Tell your neighbor, understand your mantle. Understand it. Connect to it. Receive it. Relate with it. Commanded to speak for you. I said, commanded to speak for you. There are situations I've been in and I said, uh-uh, what's on my life cannot allow this. And I started to see things changing because I know what's upon my life. I know what's upon my life. I know what's upon my life. Come on, say it. Say, I know who I am. I know what God has put on my life. I am not alone. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So the man of the book tells you, put ye on the Lord Jesus. What is he talking about? I thought he was in your heart already. I thought he was inside you already. He says, let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for I will never leave you, nor forsake you. That covering is not only just in us, but is also on us. He cannot leave us. He cannot forsake us. And the Bible says, he has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, redemption. We are covered. Tell your neighbor we are covered. Tell him I am covered. I'm covered. I'm covered. I'm covered. But you see, you need to recognize it. You need to recognize it for it to work more effectively for you. Because it's not just there to protect you. It is there to make you effective as a minister. Oh yes, we also go through things. But watch how we go through. Watch. If you've been reading, hearing, you're learning something from me. You're learning something. And you will learn. They will see later that we were not alone. We were not alone. 
We have something that speaks for us. We have somebody that speaks for us. Our elders, altars speak for us. The God we seek speaks for us. What he put on our lives speaks for us. That's why we don't speak. That's why we don't speak. Now you might ask yourself, oh, why aren't you speaking? It's not because we don't have what to speak. It only means we have somebody speaking for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Trust in what God put upon you. Wear it also. And feel it working in your body. Feel it working in your system. Undergird your children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Undergird your household. And say, this will not come near me. No evil will come in my presence. I will not see terror. Violence is far. That's how we fight. As you see, more deeper than that, to ask God, what is my distinctive mantle? Yes, there's that which you've given the church, which is generic. But what makes me different from every Christian? Because let me tell you something. God has called all of us differently. There are just few men that ever find themselves. And many choose the ordinary. They choose the normal course. They choose the predictable one. But none of us, none of us was created to be normal. He says you're a chosen generation. A peculiar people. You're strange. One version uses the word strange. You are strange even before you do anything. So stop copying and conforming. Because you don't fit there already. Something makes you different. He says you're a peculiar people. That you may, will, could, no, should so forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You must tell yourself every day that I'm different. Not because I have a different fingerprint. Uh-uh. Everyone in the world has a different fingerprint. But I'm different because I have something no man will ever have. And it's more than the surface. It's somewhere in there. It makes me different. Who am I to Uganda? Who am I to Africa? Who am I to the world? God, who am I? That is you trying to search for your mantle, to understand what's upon your life. Because you'll never truly live until you understand who you are. You'll never truly serve until you understand who you are. Let me tell you, there are things that cannot make me lose sleep. Because every time I feel it, my spirit tells me, I know who anointed me and how he anointed me. I know what's on my life. I know what's on my life. And let me tell you something. The world has not yet seen yet what's on you. Some people think they know you. No, no, no. 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 They are yet to understand what God has put on your life. And you must tell yourself that every day. That I am different. Refuse to conform. Oh yeah, some of you do it in your workplaces. People bring conversations that conform you. Ah, you know this year they did not give us bonus. I don't know what we are going to do. And then you say, man, eh? Then you put an exclamation mark, you know? Then you agree and allow to be sucked into that confusion. No. Tell them humbly but confidently. Dear sister, me, I know what to do. Ah, you're proud. No, no, I'm not proud. I know what's upon my life. Oh, 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 oh. There's something on my life. 
That makes me different from you. Oh yes, we also went through normal jobs. We went through normal jobs. We also worked like the rest. But you sit there and someone tells you, mm, this is temporal. You look around and you're like, I don't belong here. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because I discovered what was on my life early. And people will call it names. Everyone will try to give it the name they think. It looks like. <laughs> but that's alright. The point is you're not alone. And you know that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob caused this. Because there are things that take only God. That no man can do. Not even the devil can do. The devil can't do this. He can't. He'll be too stupid. And I don't think it is as stupid as some people think him. You understand? Because the Bible says he's crafty. He's cunning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Understand that no man was created to walk as they are. Every man in this world was created to walk with a covering on themselves. That is what Job called the secret of God upon my tabernacle. He says, for I remember the days of my youth, when yet the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. The mantle was upon my tabernacle. What does the next verse say? He says, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, all of this was a mantle. When I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured me out rivers of oil, that is the anointing, because the churning of milk brings butter. Next verse, uh-huh. When I went out of the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me and hid themselves and the edge that rose and stood up. When he started speaking, people stood up before he told them to, oh, 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 oh there's something. On his life. Next verse. Uh -huh. The princess refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The Bible says the nobles held their peace. Their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. And when the ear had me, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. He says, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help. Why? He had something on his life. Next verse. Uh -huh. 13. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. Oh, oh. Let me explain it. You know those old people who are about to die? Every time they saw Job, they blessed him. Why? Because they saw what was on his life. He says, I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and clothed me. I put on righteousness. What does God bust over when he's with the Satan? He says, so have you considered my servant Job? For there is none righteous like him. So Job is saying, this that I'm talking about was not just in, it was also on. He says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and I adored him. Aha, uh -huh. continue verse 15. I was the eyes to the blind. I was the feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor and the cause which I knew not I searched out and I broke the jaws of the wicked and broke the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I shall die in the midst and I shall multiply my days as the sun. He said, multiplication is my portion. Why? He was what? Covered. He was covered. 
He says, my root was spread out by the waters and the dew lay all night upon my branch. Ah, I wish some of you understand. Do you know scripturally, the Bible says, dew fell before manna. You remember in the scriptures? Dew fell before manna. Isn't it? Now, when this man says that dew lay all night upon my branch, what does that mean? If Jesus comes in the text and says, for that which you ate is not bread, I am the true bread. For your fathers ate man and they died, but what you eat of me, you shall never die, neither shall you ever hunger or thirst. In which form does it come? It comes in the form of the word. Job is actually speaking of the substance of revelation. His dew was always on his branch. That means the spirit realm was always open for revelation for him. That is why when he spoke, somebody shout hallelujah. Uh-huh. He says, my glory was fresh in me and my bow was renewed in my hand. And to me, he says, men gave ear and waited and kept silence at my counsel. After my words, they did not speak again. My speech dropped up. Somebody said hallelujah. And the Bible says, and they waited for me as for the rain. And they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. They were hungry. When Job started speaking, no man moved. He says, if I laughed on them, they believed it not. That means if Job just laughed at the person. The person, oh my God, Job laughed. Job laughed. Job laughed. He had something on his life. And the light of my countenance, they cast not down. The light of my countenance, they cast not down. Like nothing would disturb the light on my life. Nothing without would disturb the light on my life. And he's telling you, I had a mantle. There was something. Righteousness was my mantle. He continues to say, I chose out their way and sat chief and dwelt as a king in the army and as one that comforteth the mourners. I mean, you could read all forever the secret of God on his life. But it begins in understanding what exactly was upon Job. And that's what God boasts over. He boasts over the mantle on the man. Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none righteous. There is none righteous and upright like him. He feareth God and eschewed evil. He put it on. You will never be separated until you understand your own mantle. What makes you different from every man in the world? And let me tell you, the world is so big and God is infinitely abounding to provide for any man that dares to walk out of the box of predictability. But not many are bold enough to walk out. Not many are bold enough to walk out. So the tests on Job, like what pursued Elijah, were pursuing a mantle, not a man. They knew who Job was to his generation. But with all of those that are mantled, you can see their end. They don't end normal men. They end great. They end big. Why? Because they're not alone. 
it hit Paul so much that at one point he said, it's a small thing for me to judge myself because I know nothing of myself. I'm dead yet I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live. This is a man who has come to the consciousness that he is not alone. The moment I connected to my mantle, because it's one thing to have it but not connect to it, the moment I gave myself to it and I understood what God had put on my life and I learned to walk consciously with it, I carry a consciousness to what I carry on my life. It's amazing how much it instructs not only you, but the people and the things around you. If you don't learn this, you will never instruct, you will never command the things that are around you. You'll always be a victim to the things that are around you. You'll always be a victim to the elements of the earth. You'll always be a victim to the circumstances. You'll always be a victim. It's one of the most imminent steps of understanding the dominion that we have in Christ. To live above because you're not alone. You are covered. That's the secret of God on your life. That's the secret of God on your life. But I feel sorry for the man who hasn't found it. I feel sorry for the woman who has not understood it. And they think that they have a generational curse. Let me tell you. I feel sorry for Christians who still think they can have a generational curse. How dare you teach that a Christian can have a generational curse when they are a new creation and the old is passed away and now the new. How can you teach that somebody has a generational curse yet you're the same person telling them that greater is he who is in them than he which is in the world. How can you tell me that a Christian has a generational curse when they have put on the Lord Jesus? How can you tell me that a Christian has a generational curse when they are the branch and Christ is the vine? How can you tell me that a Christian has a generational curse when the Bible says that none shall pluck them out of my hand? How can you tell me that a Christian has a generational curse when Jesus said, they in me and I in you, that we might be one, that the world may know? That the world may know. So you are in Christ and Christ is in God and you want to tell me that you entered Christ and Christ entered God with a generational curse following you. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Leave that to those who don't know who they are. What's upon you cannot allow you to be cursed. Hey! You are blessed of God. You're blessed of God. You're blessed of God. The seed of greatness is upon your life. The glory of God is upon your life. The might of the Spirit is upon your life. You're flying by the winds of the Spirit. You're not alone. You're with God. He is carrying you. The heart of the King is in the heart of the Lord. What are you talking about? You're not alone in this world. Stop feeling sorry for yourselves. Oh, poor me, what will I do? Oh, where will I go? Oh, what's my next step in life? You don't yet understand who you are. Thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph. And he maketh manifest the servant of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, he teaches the world who we are by walking through us. Some of you, the troubles you're dealing with, they're not there to kill you. They're there to teach the world who you are. There are those who didn't know you. They are going to know you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There are people who don't understand you. They are going to understand you very soon. Let them give you a few months, a few weeks, and a few years. 
Even when you look like you have lost, you have not. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even when you fall, you fall forward, not backward. Because you're from glory to glory. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. He said it. In every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. He says, this is the heritage of my servants and their righteousness is of me. We're covered. You will be okay. I said you'll be okay. I just charge you by God. Ask for that which makes you different. Ask God what makes me different. What separates me from the people that are here? What separates me from the titles that are mentioned? What separates me from the credentials that men have here? What separates me from those who have the connections that I don't have? What separates me? When you understand that, when you understand that, men will gather to hear you. I said men will gather to hear you. People will gather to hear you, to understand your story. It's in such days that you understand the seriousness of the kind of prayer we are going to make. different 
ask for what makes you different. Ask for what makes you different. Open your mouth and speak to God. Lord Jesus. Open your mouth. Come on. Can you raise your hands? I want to pray something over some of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, by reason of what has worked in the lives of those that have gone before us and some that we still see in our life, we have every reason to believe that you have placed a distinctive mark on every man and those with the boldness and trust to take it, take it. So tonight in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing that makes you woman, you man, different. May God put something on your life 
that those that know you are going to find you unrecognizable in just a few days in a few months in a few years for the evangelist that is out there may God put something distinct on your life let signs miracles and wonders follow you let the lamb walk and the blind see let the deaf and the dumb speak in the mighty name of Jesus for the prophet that is out there may God give you your nation may God give you your continent may God extend your influence outside your continent receive it oh my God something unusual is happening today <laughs> spirit of the sovereign lord touch 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 Sovereign Lord, move! Hey, change that man's story from today. Change that woman's story. Change his story, my God. Rekabada gozalaba. Oh, I see an outpouring of the Spirit. My God, my God, my God. The anointing that makes you different. The power that makes you different. Receive it. He's coming where you are. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. Because God knows you. Power of the Holy Ghost. Those of you that have been dealing with demonic activity and witchcraft. God will not let it touch you. And I take that authority to rebuke every form of witchcraft. Get out of here! I command sickness to leave. Come on, give the Lord a man of praise. Give the Lord a matter of a praise. Clap for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says all things in Christ are here and amen to the glory of the Father. Oh my God. There's a vision coming to your spirit right now. And there's a power that is calling you for the world as a minister. Oh, Some didn't even know it. Some of you were not even yet ready. Pavalios!
purpose for your life that is how I know that nothing will stop the destiny of God on your life because it is older than you the Bible says before you're formed in your mother's womb he knew you and called you to be a prophet that is how I know that those diseases will wait they will not come they will not come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Now, if you have never given your life to Jesus, this is the opportunity I feel God tonight has given you. 
to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus died for your sins and he was raised for your glory. And he is the soon to return king. So if you want to give your life to that God that I've been speaking about this evening, just say these words from your heart. Say, Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ because he came to die for me and he was raised for my glory. Today, I receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.